I stand inches from the yellow line, my arms to the side with my eyes pressed shut. The blending of music, voices, and people around me slowly filter out as I concentrate. The cool air gently tosses my hair to the side, and the wind caresses my neck. It is the only thing I keep exposed for the air to reach. The familiar rumble echoes and the wind drives itself forward. I breathe in as the rush of wind slaps my face. A fraction of a second passes and I feel the large body of the train scream past. I thrust open my eyes as the blurs of images flood my vision. Little flashes of the people sitting inside the train. I catch people throwing glances here and there on the platform, hesitant to get near me. But I stare forward and keep to myself. The screech erupts and the train comes to a halt. Two years. It had been an entire two years since I left the burning remains of my life behind. The crumpled paper stays in my wallet with a neatly typed address. I have not forgotten what I need to do. I rode to our home a while ago, just to make sure that it had been real. Every bit of it was. Only now, there was a new family living in our home. My scar, one of the few reminders of our growing child, has almost completely disappeared. All that's left of it is a thread-sized mark across my gut. The doors open to the train and I step on and sit in the seat closest to the doors. A man coughs a few seats down and I glance over. I've seen him a handful of times over the last few months. Always on the J, always at the Broadway Junction. It seems like it's been getting more frequent lately. He's an odd sort, mostly keeps to himself. I follow him from time to time to make sure he's not one to be concerned over. He's two blocks east of me and lives above a local coffee shop off of Bedford. He's tall, attractive, around his early 30s with dark hair. I never trust anyone, and I don't keep friends. It was my one rule after everything that happened. But over the past several months, I feel as if we share a life. It's a sick way to think, but I find myself drawn to him. Each day he goes through the routine of running before 6 a.m. I follow, but carefully so he does not notice me. I guess I use him as a testament to my own shadowing skills. But when I think about that, it isn't true, and I know it, but it's what I'm comfortable admitting to myself. On Wednesday nights, he volunteers with kids to teach them hockey, and on Thursdays, he plays with the small team himself. He's a simple man, like Tristan. I like that. He always walks to the local bars on Friday or Saturday, sometimes on Sundays. He'll go to the movies. I feel comfort watching him. Maybe it just makes me feel normal to see someone else living a normal life. A guilty pleasure I really shouldn't take time out of my training to do. My apartment isn't much, 
It's a small loft on the west side of Brooklyn, but I keep it clean. Workouts are every single day. I do cardio and core daily, no excuses, and weight training four times a week, alternating legs and arms. Three of those days are dedicated to Krav Maga and Jiu Jitsu. It is not cheap. However, money is of no concern. I am taken care of by the demon's contract. Appearances, however, are extremely important. So I work at the corner store a few times a week. The owner hired me based off of looks. That much I knew. It's simple. I tell him I moved here after my family died. I didn't tell him how or why, but Don doesn't care. As long as I get the work done and I don't complain about the pay, it's a perfect employee and employer understanding. At first, I wasn't sure how it all worked. How was I going to get my revenge if I didn't have the slightest clue on how to defend myself? How would I survive? Sure, there was life insurance from Tristan, but I couldn't take that. The second I did, they would all know where I am. I'm not an idiot, and quite sure they kept tabs on me when I was in the hospital. Now that I went missing, I'm sure Ty ramped up his security some time ago. Of course, that had happened almost two years ago. So my hope is that Ty has assumed I fled for my life. I'm hoping that his arrogance will blind him to my arrival. I slip my hand beneath my coat and finger the guns. I have to go through a great deal to keep them hidden. My frame is lithe. Mossy Avenue, the conductor says briefly. Startled, I looked up, not realizing I had already gone through eight stops. I stood as the train jerked hard to a full stop, noticing a few people stumble that weren't holding on as well. I crack a smile, remembering that's how it was for me the first few times I got a feel for them. It disappears when I notice that the guy has drawn his attention to me. He isn't hiding the fact that he's staring. The doors open on our stop and he stands. I quickly step out onto the platform. Hey. I pretend I don't hear him as I hurry through the door that leads out into the street. I get all the way to the light when I feel a hand on my shoulder. Shit. I spin around and look up at him. He's very tall. I guess I never realized it since I was always looking at him from a distance. He's at least 6'3", but now that I look at him, probably closer to 6'4". I bristle waiting for the inevitable questions and glancing around to see my escape options. I should have bolted. Hey, hold up. You in some kind of a rush? Okay, well, I didn't expect that one. Not, why are you following me? Or, why are you being a weirdo? His voice is nice, pleasant. He's obviously made of New York, but there isn't a thick accent. I feign surprise and raise my voice an octave. I'm sorry, I say. He releases his grip from my shoulder immediately and brings it up to behind his head. He almost looks embarrassed. I relax a degree, seeing that his demeanor has changed. Sorry, he mutters, looking to the ground. Didn't mean to grab you like that. You, uh, you drop your wallet. 
I look down at the thin black leather in his hand and reach out mine. Oh, thanks. It must have fallen out of my pocket. He hands it to me, and I turn to leave. Near the corner store, right? I turn toward him. What? I ask. You. You live about three blocks west of the Jewish community. I level my gaze and keep my voice pleasant. Yeah. You nearby? He seems really awkward, but sure of himself at the same time. My initial assessment wasn't far off. Yeah, seen you around. You work at the corner store, yeah? I walk over there a few times with the guys. I know, I think to myself. I've seen you and thought that I'd hidden well. He must have caught me on my night off walking home. Damn it, I'm slipping. Oh, yeah, yeah. I chuckle nervously to sound relieved. Yeah, I moved here not that long ago, still getting used to everything. His eyes are soft, a nice brown. His shoulders are finally relaxing. I must have set him on edge earlier when I spun around. My eyes quickly flick to his pants and then shirt. Nothing is hidden, doesn't seem to be a threat. Hey, you, you take care of yourself out here. No place for a lady to walk alone at night. My mouth involuntarily twitches upward in a half smile. If only you knew how backwards that is. I'm who other people have to worry about. But some time ago, he would have been dead on. I'm alright, I offer. It's a quiet place. Nicer than some places I've lived. His head cocks a little and he smiles. Yeah, it's a step up for me, too. You got someone to walk you home? I knew what he was asking. It was a way to ask if I was seeing anyone. Don't do it, moron. You can't get involved. No, just me. Shit. What the hell was that? Why did I just say that? And then, I felt it. Don't. You. Fucking. You? And I say it. I just asked it. He laughs. Walk me home? Ha! Not since I was a kid. I can take care of myself. No, you can't, I think. No one can. Especially from people like Ty or Damon. I suddenly feel incredibly guilty. What is this? Your family dies two years ago? And you're already looking at some guy? I explore my feelings and realize something. I can't feel it. I can't even hardly remember my boy's face. I'm starting to panic. Blonde. His hair was blonde. Tristan, my husband, his eyes were brown. Yes, brown like this man's. Soft yet hard at the same time. Hardened from years of Afghanistan. He'd only been out for a few years. Our child was hung after beaten to death from our porch. The porch that our families built. And my belly? My belly holds the faint scars of my unborn son. I feel the switch instantly. This isn't why you're here. Harden the fuck up. He senses the shift and inclines his head. Hey, you good? I glance up at him and nod. Yeah, I'm good. 
You take care of yourself. I don't even give him a chance to respond before heading down the south alley that will take me directly to my place. I'm kicking myself. That was fucking stupid. Why did I talk with him? I don't know shit about that asshole. He could be part of it for all I know. I relent as I take a right down toward the west side. I needed to make a stop. You've been watching him for months. There's no way he's with them. Or maybe that's what he was put here for. I always keep to myself. I'm damn good at it. Why did he notice me? It was amazing how much I'd changed in just two years. I would have never thought this way. Or spoke half as crude. But funny thing? Death changes people. I wasn't even sure that I'm completely alive. It's not like I need air. It got me curious. I wonder if I even bleed anymore. I should check that out at some point, I suppose. As I continue down the alley, I make a note to myself to stop being a moron and steer clear of whoever this new guy is. Time doesn't matter. Your life ended at gunpoint two years ago, and those same pieces of shit practically ran half of the country. Where was their payment for their crimes? Where was my justice? I don't give a shit how pointless it is or what it matters, but somehow I will win. After all, I'm the one with time on my side. Shit! I dodge him and duck into the corner as I watch him look around the train. I was going to be late for my shift, but I couldn't chance any more interaction with him. The other day was a fluke. He has some sort of weird effect on me, and I can't have that. I need to stay sharp. I sigh as I watch the train pull away and casually walk over to a bench. I'll just have to park my ass here until the 710 shows. I'll need to stay near, but not too close. I am to find out more about my gentleman caller before making a real choice. I jump on the eastbound train toward Brooklyn, trying to shake my thoughts. Forget about him. I deflate inwardly. When was the last time? I grow angry and bitter at myself. Jesus, pull yourself together. I needed to talk to Frank. Maybe he could tell me more about Lily. F was one of the few people I felt I could trust. I'd followed him around for several weeks. His routine was normally the same. Wake up, work the alley, work some labor jobs, and then head home. He's old, maybe in his late 60s with a limp. I suspect ex-military. He has this way about him that reminds me a lot of my father and Tristan combined. Seasoned war vets, something in the eyes. I looked F over really good the first time I saw him. He never had any track marks, but he did drink way too much for his own good. His liver is probably shot. But when I think about it, he's alone. He doesn't have much else going on. If I could get drunk, I probably would. My moving to this city 
wasn't entirely a retreat. I have my motives. The entity told me that I would never be able to talk to anyone that knew me, but that didn't mean that I couldn't check in from time to time and see how Lily was doing. She'd moved here after my death, a doctorate. God, I'm so proud of her. She never stops moving. Needless to say, Frank was more than happy to offer his help, especially when I offered him a working man's salary to keep tabs on her. Maybe both our luck was changing. I switch over to the other train, keeping my head down. No sense in drawing any more attention than I have to. The subway is busier than usual. Normally it's dead after about 9.30. I hear mumbling and catch a more interesting bit from two guys. You hear about the company this morning? His voice was higher pitched and slightly grating in a nasally way. His friend looks over at him. His voice is rich and low. What, the new CEO? The other one chimes in, overlapping. Yeah, yeah, that. But how about how we got it? I keep a casual pace behind them, listening in. What about it? So Thai took over? And China has cheap goods. What else is new? Nasally guy sighs. Yeah, that pot. But they just released it online less than a few minutes ago. Rumble sounds indignant. Well, you're gonna keep me on pins and needles or what? Nasally chuckles and leans in. What is? The daemon was offed. I struggle to steady my breathing and try and keep my casual pace. The two stop in front of me and I slow my steps as I walk past to sit on the bench. Rumbles lowers his voice. I have to strain, but make it out. Yeah? Means there'll be a spot open, he says. His meaty head is working. I can hear the greed from ten feet away. Nasally sounds guarded. Well, yeah, I guess. But it will go to whoever's next in line. You know that. Rumbles doesn't bother to hide his next sentence as I get up. Seems things might be changing. Who knows? I grab my phone, pose, and pretend to take a few selfies, then quickly run to the train before it takes off. Hopefully I managed at least one face shot before leaving. I couldn't believe my luck. Ty's guys, right here. Then my heart drops. If they're here, does Ty know? Shit, shit. Okay, calm down. Maybe it was just a coincidence. He couldn't possibly know where I am. I'm not on social media at all. I don't even allow Dawn to snap pics of me. Could they possibly know where I am? Then my mind shoots to Lily. Could Ty finally be making good on his promise? The first six months had been complete hell. Constantly watching her, after a year, I started thinking Ty just mentioned Lily to mess with me. Even now, two years later, I still call or have F go by her place a few times a month to check on her. I need to find Ty. This is my chance. I go through my phone's gallery. My hands are shaking and so cold. The touchscreen is having trouble reacting. I finally get it to open. The first picture is nothing but blurry and a disappointment. I panic as I flip to the next, and it's just a picture of me and the ceiling. I take a few deep breaths. 
I hope to hell that I was able to at least get one. Just one, even if it's blurry. The next one is me smiling and a person walking behind me, shielding the two. I'm flipping through furiously, hoping that the quick snap function had taken more than I anticipated. I'm about to give up and then freeze. There. There they are. I tap the screen and zoom in on their faces. They're exactly like their voices sound. Rumbles is broad and heavy set. His eyes are hard to make out, but even from the photo, I can see that they're a smidge too close together. His nose is broad and crooked. It's definitely been broken before. I close my eyes, trying to recall everything in the limited time I had. What was that smell? My grandfather had worn that same scent. My eyes flash open. Drakkar. I'd know that anywhere. It's still being sold these days? It wasn't just Drakkar. It was something else. Something very familiar. And then it came to me. I didn't want it to. Because along with it came the pain. Gunpowder. Not just gunpowder, but the stench of flesh and gunpowder. Rumbles had killed someone that morning. I was up close and personal with that scent, twice. How would the nasally guy not smelled it? Maybe this was just another one of my abilities, I reason. It could, after all, be possible. I'm not yet completely aware of everything that I can do. Focus, I think to myself. What else? My eyes flick over to Nasally. He's taller than Rumbles, by at least a foot. He's thin but solid. He'd be handsome if it weren't for his odd, weak chin and slightly too large of a nose. Still, I can tell he has an odd sense of charm about him. I have a feeling Nasally doesn't struggle with the ladies. I squint as the picture starts to blur at my zooming in. It's hard to tell what color his eyes are but they look dark, possibly brown. Both are fair-skinned, but Rumbles is a little more on the ruddy skin tone and flushed. Nasally looks more olive and smooth. I save the picture and delete the rest. I smile as the train grinds to a halt. A lead, a real, solid lead. This is more than I hoped for. It's proof that not only is Ty still around, he's close. You're late, Don complains. I wince and look up at him. I know, Don, I'm sorry. I missed a train this morning and had to catch the 710. He grunts and points to the back. Yeah, whatever. Just go get your apron. I sigh and hurry to the back. I was shocked that he didn't even ask why I was on the train. I live less than a few blocks away. You're a good girl. Never late. Just don't let it happen again, eh? He calls back to me. Why are you still here? I yell. Go home to Bev. She'll be worried. I can hear his smile as I pull the apron over my head. Ta. You're right about that, princess. Got hell to pay when I get home. Haven't gotten a single call or text in hours. It's not like her. 
He pauses. Unless, of course, she's angry. My smile drops, and I walk out to join him behind the register. Hey, you should call her, I say. He shakes his head and laughs. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. That's just Bev, you know? Best I just come home and explain what happened. I smile and chuckle nervously. All right, I say. He grabs his keys and heads for the door. Something doesn't feel right. Don, he pauses and looks over at me. Yeah? It's probably nothing, but just let me know you made it and everything's alright with Bev. He shakes his head. You women. You all worry too much. He sighs and waves his hands when I scowl at him. Alright, alright. Jesus. Between you and the old lady, I feel like I'm on prison watch. I smile as he mutters to himself and walks outside. I look up when the doorbell goes off again. Oh, and Cheryl? I wince inwardly at the fake name. I really hated deceiving the old man, but I had to do what was needed. Yeah? I ask. Feel free to, you know, eat whatever you want. You're looking a little thin. He walks out and then leans back in again, the door held open by his foot. Oh, and um, if no one comes in after ten, just shut down. I grin and shoo him out. Yes, yes, now go. I've kept you long enough. He grunts and walks out. I'm really getting fond of that old coot. I look over at my reflection from the mirror behind the register. It's pretty skewed, but even from this angle, I can tell I've lost weight. When was the last time I'd eaten? I guess even the dead need food. I frown as I turn the key and then jiggle the door to make sure it's secure. I pull out my phone and stare at the empty screen. Not one word from Don all day. Maybe I should run by his place, make sure they're alright. The trains won't be running this late. I'll have to Uber or get a taxi. I start to open my app when a police cruiser pulls up on the sidewalk. I look up as he rolls down the window. You Cheryl? I nod my head. Yes, sir. Uh, what's going on? The cop kills the engine and opens his door. He's tall. It takes him a second to get out. I take the opportunity and glance up and down the street. Not a soul in sight. Could this be one of Ty's men? I tense, preparing for the worst. He leans on his car and looks at me. Kinda late to be closing up shop, isn't it? I smile, walking toward the car. Actually, it's early. Don likes to keep the place open for a few- I freeze mid-sentence. It's him, of all the stupid. Why had I not followed him to work? You goddamn moron. I'm hung on that last sentence, staring across at this familiar face. He smiles and scratches the back of his head. It's the same awkward motion I saw the other morning. Hey he says shyly. Sorry to catch you at a weird time. I, uh, was actually patrolling the area when dispatch called to come talk to you. I didn't buy it. Not completely. Was this a trick? Somehow a way for Ty to make me think this guy is my friend? Maybe they have found me out. I try not to show my panic as I hedge closer to the building. Oh, yeah. Hey, I say and laugh. Sorry. Hard to see in this light. He smiles and looks up and down the street. Hey, 
Sorry to come at you with this, but we got a call today from Don's wife, Beverly. You know her? Yeah, Bev? I've known her for almost two years now. What's this about? I ask. He can't seem to meet my eyes, and I know the worst is coming. Don didn't make it home today. The keys drop from my hand. My hands shoot up to my face and over my mouth. I'm thankful for the dark. He'd think it odd that I'm unable to cry. From what I've gathered, it's a side effect of being dead. He hesitates and then continues. Listen, Bev, she's in a bad state. The only reason I'm here is she can't tell you herself. My head shakes back and forth. It's odd, pretending to be so upset. After my death, I'm just not able to feel as strongly as I used to. It isn't entirely fake. Don was a real stand-up guy, and Bev was one of the sweetest women that I knew. I cringe, realizing that I'm already thinking of them in the past tense. Despite their age difference, the two of them were exactly the same, and always so giving. They never asked many questions. I'm going to miss them both. At that moment, I know the truth. Neither of them will make it tonight. It's a sobering moment. There's more than likely only one reason why they were attacked. Ty's men were very thorough. The question is, who told them? The guys from the train? Hell, maybe even this guy. I don't know him. I stare at him openly as I pretend to take deep breaths. Finally, I ask, Where's Beth? Anyone there for her right now? He stares back his eyes trailing down to my lips. He's not portraying the typical movements of someone like Ty. He almost looks... Oh, hell. He finds me attractive right now. Especially since I'm vulnerable. I know that look anywhere. It was the same look Tristan gave me on our third date. I had fallen down in the ice rink and managed to bust open a lip. He'd helped me through the whole thing, was nice enough to ask the guys for the first aid kit. The soft browns that looked at me then were the exact same as the ones looking at me now. Honest. Concerned. This man is not one of Ty's lackeys. I could sense it. Almost like I was a human lie detector. It's something else that I picked up after death. He isn't sweating or twitching. There are no overly controlled movements. He clears his throat. <clears> throat> Uh, Bev is at St. Luke's. St. Luke's? But Bev and Don live in... Brooklyn. Yeah, I know, he says. Bev was out shopping in Manhattan this morning. That doesn't seem like her at all, especially on Don's salary. Bev was always extremely frugal with her money, especially since they were a few years away from retiring. Now I know something's wrong. He notices I'm thinking, you know, I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something different about you. I look up at him, his statement catching me off guard. I don't answer for a while, instead turning my gaze to the sidewalk behind him. The street is oddly quiet, even for a weekday. Maybe the world knew something that I didn't. Some unknown force keeping people locked up in their homes, safe and warm. I look back at him and smile. You think you can give me a ride to St. Luke's? 
He mirrors my smile and walks over to open the door. Yeah, sure. My shift ended an hour ago. I'll call it in. You want some coffee? He asks as we sit waiting. The drive hadn't been too bad. We'd mostly talked about how funny Don was or how doting Bev could be. I knew that a lot of regulars came into the store, but I never realized how many people knew them. I didn't call out the cop earlier on his discrepancy. He mentioned his shift was up, but that dispatch had called him in, so he'd done it on his time off. There was definitely more to this. No, I'm good. Thanks, Logan. I say as he gets up. I'd only just learned his name. It was a bit awkward saying it, but I hated to admit it. It felt good talking to someone about anything. Bev was in intensive care. I knew that it would be bad. I'm honestly surprised that she's still alive. It's not Ty's usual MO. My head turns toward the TV as the newscaster comes on. MC Global said goodbye to a longtime partner today. Founder and CEO Robert Damon, whom was tragically murdered last week in his summer home in Malibu, was finally laid to rest this morning next to his father in Sacred Heart Memorial. As of yet, no confirmations on who will be taking his place. This is an emotional time for everyone that knew Robert and worked alongside him. The screen switches to a few people talking about how giving and good Damon was, and a few statements from the local police. I'm about to look away when he appears on the screen. I stand, walking over to the screen. That same goddamned sneer is stuck on his face. Most people looking at him would have seen someone that sounded sincere and professional, profusely vomiting up lies like it was the truth. I feel my body shudder and burn hot with rage. I'm instantly back at the construction site, and he's hovering inches from me, placing my hair in his mouth and swirling it like a fine wine. The gun is pressed to my head my entire life over in seconds. And this piece of shit had the nerve to go on living. How many men have you murdered, Ty? How many lives have you destroyed? I grab the screen, my fingers digging in and bending the metal on the sides. I hear a few gasps and freeze as a pair of hands wrap my body from behind. Whoa, whoa, Cheryl! What the hell is going on? I relax at the voice. It's Logan. The metal crunches as I let it go and turn toward the waiting area. The entire room is silent as it stares at me. Even the children have quieted. I have to get out of here. And before I know what's happening, my feet have found the pavement outside and I'm running at full speed. Shit. What the fuck did I do? My mind is racing faster than my legs as I jet east toward the Brooklyn Bridge. Why did I go to visit her? All of my time? All of the hard work and training gone in seconds. Think! I scream at myself. Was there any familiar face? My mind flashes back to the people's faces, staring wide-eyed at me, looking for something, anything. I cross the bridge and turn slightly more south, and then east on Fulton. 
I focus all of my energy trying to remember any one person that looked different. On the right, there was a family. A young girl with her brother next to the toy station. Their mother and grandparents all surprised. The middle, there's a teen girl. Her face busted up. Her phone dropped to the ground. In the back, there's an elderly woman. A napkin wrapped over her mouth that's been stained with a dark liquid. Probably coffee. But there, there it is. I see him, nasally. He's staring at me, not with surprise, but curiosity. He's wearing a jacket, his dark hair matted on one side with blood. His fingers are clasped around a phone that he's holding up. I halt as I finally turn down Bedford to the corner store. He filmed me. It was over. Ty knew.